0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A sacred institution that our God desires to take great care and also to secure is the wonderful institution of marriage. One of the gracious gifts that God gave to man was the woman. And let's go back and observe the first man and the first woman this morning. And I'm sure you know Genesis chapter 2. And if you look on the screen in verse 18, it says here, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make an me for him. So our God saw the need and took the lead. In Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. This is the first surgery of mankind, amen. And, uh, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh and thereof. Did not ask for a woman, we see in the scripture. But God in his divine wisdom made sure that Adam had an helpmeet. He made a woman and he brought her to Adam. And you see from the scripture that marriage is God's sovereign will and it's God's sovereign purpose. And our God takes great pleasure in marriage. And as we think about Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. You see, his great desire for man was to have a helpmeet, and his great desire for the woman was to find a man to help. And uh, as man and woman come together, the Bible says that they have obtained a great favor of the Lord. And there is great favor in your marriage this morning. Some things might be dire and some things might be complicated and some things might be somewhat hard. But as we think about how God sees your marriage, despite all the maybe faults and mistakes, God sees it as a very good thing and he has a great favor towards your family and also the institution of marriage. So as... We think about Adam and Eve. They come together in the Garden of Eden. And Adam says that they have become one flesh. One flesh means they cannot be severed. One flesh means they embrace each other. One flesh means they feel for each other. One flesh means they feel all the joy and happiness together. And one flesh means they feel all the hurt and even the heartaches together. And one flesh means they are depended on each other, they are supporting each other, and also one flesh means they are forever connected together. This is why Paul related marriage as a picture of Christ and the church. And as we know, uh, our Savior, he is a head of the church, and and the church is his body. And uh, uh, as we think about that connection, it cannot be severed. And uh, the, uh, uh, the church is forever His. And Christ is forever the church's. And as we think about our salvation, how we have eternal life and eternal joy, as we talked about in the, uh, 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 in the beginning of the service. And uh, uh, as we think about the Christ and the church again, it's a great, wonderful picture of marriage. And Paul illustrates this in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at it with me in verse 29. It says, For no man hath hated his own flesh, but it and cherisheth it, even as a Lord, the church. I think all of us could agree that we do take care of our own bodies. Okay? And this morning I woke up, I made sure that I washed my hair because you know, I take my shower at night, and then when I wake up in the morning, it's like a porcupine hairdo, amen? And it's a, it's a terrible scene, and you don't want to look at that. But I wash my hair, and then uh, I, I I usually shave, and then uh, I usually brush my teeth, and uh, I also put my contacts on, and, uh, and then I get my hair done. I also iron my shirt, and I, do, I, I also even shine my shoes. I do everything that I can to come on Sunday morning because... Why? I do take care of my body. I do care what happens to my body. I do care how I'm presenting my body. And I think all of us will agree that we do the same thing every morning. And every man nourishes and cherishes the body. In verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. He is quoting Adams Adam's words, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning what? Christ and the church. Christ and the church. So if this is true and it is, then we need to make sure we protect and guard our own marriage with holy caution and sanctification. Why? Because it pictures our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his church. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that your marriage is here so that you may glorify the Lord, God's people say. And the one way we glorify the Lord is that we picture our marriage as a relationship between Christ and the church. And Christ loves the church, and he gave himself for it. And the church is subject unto Christ. And that's the same instruction that God gave. Or I'm sorry, that connection is is given toward marriage. And uh, a husband is supposed to love his wife and also give give himself for her. And also the wife needs to be subject unto her own husband. And sometimes we could mar the picture of Christ in the church because of our arrogance and pride and because of maybe our sinful attitude and indifference and apathy and maybe carelessness concerning our marriage. So it's very obvious that our God wants to protect the marriage because it pictures Him and the church. We think about the seventh commandment from the Ten Commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery. And we know the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not have no other gods before me. And uh, you should obey your honor and your father and your mother. But within uh, uh, the Ten Commandments, God commands, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Protect your marriage. Jesus Christ gives a very clear definition of marriage. And what it is, in Matthew chapter 19, it says here in verse 5, and, uh, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and a twin shall be one flesh. And Jesus Christ quoting Adam's words again in Genesis 2, just like Apostle Paul did, in verse 6. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore had God joined together, let not who? Man put asunder. Every divorce has been by the will of man. It's never been the will of God. And uh, so as we think about this scripture here, we go on to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as well. And uh, 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 in the epistle, it gives a great instruction in protecting marriage. Paul wrote in verse 4, The wife had not power of her own body, but the husband... And likewise, also the husband had not the power of his own body, but the wife. And so as we think about this scripture, it's very obvious that, you know, I am accountable to my wife, and the wife is accountable to me. Why? Because we are one flesh. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are married this morning, remind yourself of these scriptures, how God wants to protect the marriage how God wants to sanctify the marriage, and God wants to picture himself and the church through your marriage and give glory to God through the relationship that you have with your spouse this morning. Marriage is a very big deal to our God, and we cannot take it lightly, and we cannot take it carelessly. Now, people have different type of mistakes and and different situations in life, but I'm just simply saying to you presently, If you have marriage, if you have a husband and wife, be faithful to him and her. That's what I'm saying. I'm not digging up the past this morning. I'm not trying to uh, maybe uh, try to convict somebody of the past doings. No, I'm trying to talk about the present and also about the future. And uh, I want to encourage every young people as well that when you get to the marriage altar, that you do mean what you say when you commit to your spouse, till death to us part, and that you are committed to your spouse, and that you are married to him or her forever, and that you will do your best to love and also to obey. And let us make sure that we protect the marriage and, uh, and that we, in every way, see God be pleased with the relationship that we have presently and also in the future. And I'm just simply saying this morning, marriage is a very big deal to our God. And we cannot take it lightly, and we cannot take it carelessly. Someone has once said, even if marriages are made in heaven, man has to be responsible for, to, for the maintenance. It's a very stupid, uh, true, true statement, isn't it? And, uh, you know, uh, the church is a heavenly divine will of God. Okay? But man can mess it up. Okay? Pastors can mess it up. Congregations can mess it up, because you know it's anything that goes wrong. It's not God's fault. I believe that it's because of the will of man and maybe uh, the fleshly nature of man, and and that's why Jesus Christ kind of rebukes and reproves uh, those churches in Asia in Revelation chapter two and three. And it's very obvious that uh, a man can ruin the heavenly institution uh, that God has ordained. And marriage could be the same. And, and marriages are made in heaven, yes. But we are responsible to keep the maintenance and obey the Lord and also follow the commandments that God has given us. And God has given enough to all of us and given us instructions enough so that we may follow through in what God wants to see in our marriage. And let us never have excuses. Let us never say, my wife can't change, my husband can't change. No, that's a sorry excuse for you to resort that your marriage won't work and also resort to the fact that you want a divorce. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let us recognize the fact that God has put you uh, and your spouse together, and it's God's will, and he will never repent of that. And uh, uh, all the gifts and calling of God is without repentance. And we need to make sure we have that fixated and that we don't uh, ruin what God has ordained And uh, because of our own uh, willful pride. So as we uh, think about how uh, maintenance are involved and how we're responsible for our marriages, I think about an illustration. several years ago. Harry S. Truman Library, Independence, Missouri uh, made uh, public over 1,300 uh, recently discovered letters that the late president wrote to his wife, Bess, over the course of a half century. And uh, um, you might not agree with him politically, uh, but uh, uh, this uh, uh, gentleman Uh, made some great decisions in life uh, in the White House. And, uh, of course, you know FDR passed away, and he had to take over the World War II situation, and he had to make the decision to uh, bomb Japan with atomic bombs twice, and uh, he had to calculate how many more people had to die. By the way, uh, 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 if they were to invade Japan at that time, uh, they, uh, they calculated that half a million soldiers would die invading Japan and also a lot of Japanese casualties, and you know, uh, many of those people uh, uh, in Japan, they're, fight to, they're ready to fight for their own country, and even children, and even young women, and they're uh, trained uh, to do uh, uh, a lot of different things so that they'd be prepared. Um, uh, and, and even America, they had uh, made 500,000 Purple Hearts, and, uh, uh, because they knew that uh, uh, many young men would die in trying to invade that land. And, uh, and he had to make a decision. Uh, what do we do here? And uh, uh, what is the cost that we need to do? And I'm sure there will be some different des- uh, decisions that you uh, have to weigh. But he had to make the decision to uh, 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 give the atomic bomb. And, and, of course, that ended the war. Uh, and uh, can you imagine being in his shoes? And very difficult decisions that a president has to make. But he had to make them. And, uh, and we know that from history. And he had to make the decision to go into Korean War. And I thank God for every veteran that, uh, uh, that served in the Korean War. And, and uh, 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 I, thinking back, just uh, 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 this morning, I, I read an article as well about some uh, Japanese-Americans serving in the American War, and this bomber who served in the uh, American Uh, uh, Air Force, and he was the only one, by the way, one only Japanese American who was uh, 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 approved to uh, fly uh, uh, the bomber airplanes in World War II, and uh, there was a uh, discrimination, but he was the only one, and, and he uh, got some medals, and, and uh, he died with great honor just, I think, this morning. He was 98 years old, and what a great patriot, and uh, he, was ser- he was willing to serve this country and and, uh, and, gives, uh, and, and and give all he has for this country, and, and thank God for veterans, and, and thank God even for those who served in the Korean War, and, and Truman had to make those decisions, and he had to kind of fight communism as well during his uh, time, and and, uh, and 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 uprising of it, uh, and, and with with all that burden and with all that uh, uh, different uh, big decisions he had to make, uh, this man for almost every time that he left the White House, he wrote to his wife. He wrote to his wife, best, and over 1,300 letters were revealed, handwritten. To his wife, Beth. As President Truman of the United States took time out of the dealing, of, dealing with the world's most powerful leaders, he took his time during the nighttime to write to his wife and, and, and communicate to her how much he loves her and, and also what's going on in his mind and in his heart. And uh, what a great, impressive testimony that he left uh, for, this consider, for this country to consider. And, 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 and President Truman knew his priority in life, and President Truman knew that a faithful marriage is not just going to happen without effort and faithfulness and consistency. And we must believe this morning that our God has given us enough evidence, and our God has given us enough guidelines and commandments, and our God has given us enough clarity to Follow through and having a faithful marriage in the Lord. Remember what Christ said, therefore what God had joined together, let no man put asunder. And, and uh, 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 if a president of the United States took the great uh, time to write to his wife and in, 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 in the big decisions in his life and, and the great pressures in his life, I think as Christians today, as we have our lives and as we have our marriages, I think we should be able to communicate to our spouses our love and our care and also the security and let us in every way as Christians uh, not mar the great picture of Christ in the church but let us help to support and also to see great spiritual maintenance so that uh, we would glorify the Lord in our relationship with their spouse God has never split up marriages my friend God has never broken up marriages, no sir, no man. It's always been mankind. And let us make sure that we give uh, to God uh, the glory and that if we have faithful marriage today, hey, be faithful to them still. And let us make sure that we don't intervene in a fleshly way, that we divide the faithful marriage and the sacred uh, trust that we give in each other. And, uh, And man's effort can sever marriages, yes. But I believe God's grace can keep us faithful. Do you believe that this morning? And, uh, you know, we're not faithful enough, okay? We're not loving enough, and we're not submissive enough, we're not holy enough, but our God is. Uh, Through God, all things are possible. And he can help you to protect and cherish your marriage today. As you put forth your uh, uh, effort of love and sacrifice, faithfulness and carefulness, God's grace is sufficient to bless it all. And as we have read our text for this message, it's very obvious that there are clear instructions in keeping our marriage in God's sovereign plan by His grace and what instructions are shared. I'd like to give you three biblical instructions that we need to take notice and keep in our marriages today. And uh, Dr. Paul, could you make sure that the AC is down to 65 and uh, sometimes the AC... Doesn't really properly work when it's at 68 or maybe 67. Get down to 65, that'd be a great help. Uh, uh, <clears throat> first of all, let's think about the instructions to our wives, okay? To the wives, I'm sorry. I believe one of the great privileges that a woman could have is to support and strengthen her husband. And if you ever read Proverbs chapter 31, ladies, I encur- uh, if you have never read them, I encourage you to read them. And I think it'd be a great help for you to consider how you could be a faithful wife and a faithful mother. And, uh, as we think about Proverbs thirty-one, we could kind of get the uh, idea that maybe this passage is talking about mothers, but I believe it's talking more about the wife, a virtuous wife, and uh, uh, a lot of things that she does within the scripture is about what he/she is doing for her husband. And uh, look at Proverbs chapter thirty-one. We're looking at verse ten on the screen. It says, "Who can find a virtuous woman?" Her, for her price is far above rubies. Look at verse 11 and 12 now. The heart of her who? Husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have need, no need of spoil. Okay. Verse 12. She will do him good, the husband, and not evil all the days of her life. And then, if you keep on reading on, it explains what she does for her family, but primarily for her husband, because she will do him good. And the heart of her husband does safely trust in the wife. And ladies, uh, uh, remind yourself that you're not just a mother in the family. Remind yourself that you are at first a wife. You would not be a mother this morning unless you are a wife first. Unless God has put your husband and you together, you would not have a child this morning. Don't let child rearing sever your marriage. Don't let your children get in the way of affectionately loving each other. And also, wives, make sure that your dedication is more toward your husband than your children. The priority is your husband. God made a help meet, not for your children, but for your husband. That's your first calling. Okay. That's the priority in the scripture. The virtuous woman is virtuous. Why? Because she was a good wife. Not a good mother at first, but a good wife. And may the Lord give you prudence and wisdom, for it is far better than any career that you are building or income that you are contributing to the home. You being a good wife is far greater than anything that you could do outside of your home. You being a good wife and a, uh, a, a loyal wife and, and a loving wife and a submissive wife is far above any rubies and treasures in this world. That's why the Bible says about the virtuous women in Proverbs 31, her virtue is far greater than any rubies, any riches, any income, okay, anything that this world could offer. And ladies, see that sacred, uh, spiritual riches, and 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 you need to make sure that your desire is in the hidden man of the heart, and that your desire is to love your husband and to be there for your husband, to support your husband, and to be a cheerleader. In Proverbs chapter nineteen, verse fourteen, house. And riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife, a wife that is wise, discreet, is from the Lord, is from the Lord. And uh, you know ladies, uh, pray for wisdom in your life today. And uh, pray that God will give you wisdom to set the priorities straight, and making sure that you're there for your husband and that you're supporting your husband, and also, most importantly, that you are submissive to your husband. And may the Lord touch your life in a powerful way that you could contribute to your marriage in wisdom and prudence. Apostle Paul instructs the wives about three uh, different uh, 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 things here. Number one, the power of your testimony. Consider that, the power of your testimony. Verse one, Likewise, ye wise, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. You know, the word conversation is referring to lifestyle, conduct, and behavior. You know, who is being won here in this verse? The husband. Okay. The husband who is without the Lord. So, uh, the Bible says here, if any obey not the word. So, I believe it's referring to those who obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the New Testament, uh, the Bible talks about many people receive the word. And many people obeyed the word. And also Romans chapter 6 talks about obeying the word, talking about receiving the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we think about those scriptures, I believe, in relation to uh, 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 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, I believe uh, uh, the, uh, the writer is referring to those who are not saved, who did not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, Peter says, hey, make sure that you're submissive to your unsaved husband, so that your testimony might bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ. The conversation of the wife. That's not talking about speaking or having communication. And that's not the modern language conversation definition that we're thinking about. Conversation is referring to the lifestyle, okay? And the conduct of your life. Make sure your lifestyle, your conversation is... Uh, worthy, and, and is a great testament, and, and so that your husband consider the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they may be saved. And, 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 and ladies, I want to encourage you, if you have an unbelieving husband, stay with them, uh, because the Bible uh, gives uh, uh, instructions to do so, and, uh, and we'll look at it later, uh, what the other case is. But if you have an unsaving husband, stay with them, be submissive to them, and be loving, and sacrifice so that your testimony might shine, not your own, of course, but Christ's testimony, and that your husband would consider Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. This is a great mystery, I know. How does that work? I'm not sure. But God uses it this way. It's proven, you know why? In every way, I have experienced it. My dad was not saved for 10 years of my life. And my dad hated church. My dad hated the Bible. My dad didn't like going to Sunday morning services or even Wednesday night. My dad hated the fact that my mom went sowing and my mom went to Wednesday night services and and she was a Christian fanatic and and she was reading the Bible every morning and she's not waking up at 6 or 7 in the clock anymore. She's waking up at 4 o'clock now reading the word of God and praying and and my dad hated that. And uh, used to kick the Bible around in the Bible as well and and didn't like the fact that children had to go to church every Sunday morning. But so my mom faithfully took us, and thank God for that. And, uh, you know, uh, different trials came into our life because of the, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, I guess the fight that my dad was bringing, and, and uh, even the hardship my dad was bringing. But she was submissive. She uh, stayed with her husband for those 10 years, and, and uh, finally, uh, uh, on the hospital bed, Uh, uh, Pastor Kim uh, 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 came to the hospital visit and he received Christ's personal Savior. You know the very first thing after he received Christ, one of the things that he did was apologize to my mother. I'm so sorry that I I treated you so harshly. I'm so sorry that I ridiculed you. I'm so sorry that I said all those bad things. I'm so sorry that I treated you. In a very wrongful way. What happened? Or maybe have a divorce. The instruction from the scripture is to stay. Now, if there is a physical uh, alteration, of course, I encourage anybody to get a divorce. I never did. I never will, because it's not biblical. And and I'm just simply saying this morning that if you have an unbelieving husband, make sure you stay with them. You're. with fear uh whose adorning let it not be the outward ador- uh, adorning of plaiting the hair and the uh, wearing of gold yeah the battery died here on this uh microphone and i'm going to use this and wearing of gold and put me down a little bit it's too loud of putting up an apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of god a great price basically God is saying, through Peter, it's not your outwardly beauty that needs attention in your marriage. No, it's the heart. Favor is deceitful. Proverbs 31. Favor is deceitful. Ladies, do you have a meek and quiet spirit? Uh, Husband might be impressed with your trendy look. Very uh, beautiful look. Okay, But... That's not going to give you faithful marriage. Faithful marriages are produced by a wife, first of all, who is submissive to her own husband, and a wife who who is meek and quiet spirit. And to God, this is a great price. God knows that it's a great price. God knows your husband is an idiot. God knows that you husband your husband could make terrible mistakes. God knows that uh, I made terrible mistakes. God knows that. But God still instructs the wife to me to be submissive, to be meek and quiet spirit. Do not argue. Do not be outspoken too much. Too harsh. It's not your role. God knows that this is a very great price. And when God sees that, I believe that God will bless your marriage and God will change the heart of your husband. Are you willing to receive instructions and guidance from your husband? Or is it the other way around, ladies? I heard about how there are two lines of husbands in heaven. One for the dominant husband and one for the passive and submissive husbands. The submissive husband line was so long that it extended most out of sight. However, there was one man in the dominant husband line. He was small, timid, appeared anything but a dominant husband. When the angel inquired as to why he was in this line, he replied in a meek and quiet voice, My wife told me to stand here. (laughs) You know, I wonder if there are some marriages in this room that are upside down in order. The wife is leading and the husband is following. But ladies and gentlemen... The husband needs to lead. And the ladies need to let the husband lead. Sometimes the husband is more meek and quiet spirit than the wife. Ladies, don't let the world and the devil tell you that it's degrading to be a submissive wife. The woman's right movement. And I'm not trying to get political here, but I'm just simply saying that it has somewhat ruined some families. Because the mothers and the wives are not priding their lives according to the scripture. They, they want to they wanna control the family more. They want to control the husband more. And I want to encourage you to be meek and quiet spirit. And marriage works. Why? Because it's a spiritual institution. And, and, and marriage can work if a wife who is submissive and meek and quiet spirit, but show me a wife who is contentious and proud and outspoken and domineering and screaming at her husband. Marriage is not going to work. It's not the spiritual, it's the flesh. It just needs to be stopped. Proverbs 19, verse 13. Would you read this with me? Ready? A foolish son is a calamity of his father. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. And uh, how contentious are you, ladies? And, And by the way, ladies, as you are domineering to your husband, as you are screaming at your husband on the top of your lung, your children are watching. Your son. And your daughter is watching that. And she'll be a dominary wife who will also be not submissive to her own husband 20 years from now. I'm just simply saying you are sowing something to your family. Ladies, be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. Number three. Before you crucify me, let me just finish this third point. Amen, ladies? All right? I know I'm in a very hot spot right now. The past examples. Verse number five and six. But after this manner in the old time, the holy woman also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husband. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Notice that statement. Who trusted in God? Do they always agree with their husbands? No. Were the husbands always right? No. But they decided to adorn themselves with submission. And they, the past holy woman, trusted in God. They simply trusted the Lord. Wives, trust in the Lord when your husbands fail. Trust in the Lord when your husband makes the wrong decision and the wrong move. Trust in the Lord. I just want to encourage you that what you it might be very dire. It might be very discouraging. Your marriage, I understand. And your husband is not changing. But trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not on my own, own understanding. Trust the Lord. Be submissive to your husband. Be meek and quiet spirit. The scripture has not changed over the last 2,000 years. I don't care what the society says. The Bible is still true. Amen. And the Bible still works. These instructions still works. Save your marriage. By following the Lord. Now, husbands. Number two, instructions to the husbands. First, men, dwell with them. Dwell with them. i got to hurry. Likewise, the husband, dwell with them according to knowledge. Now, we will talk about the knowledge part later, but notice first the phrase, dwell with them. One flesh means to dwell with them, not visit them, not in and out, not seldomly. Uh, No, dwell with them. Be faithful to be with them. And God has given you one wife, one woman. Dwell with that woman faithfully and sincerely. By the way, thank God he has given you one, not two or three or four. Thank God he has given you one. Once, uh, Mark Twain was lecturing in Utah, a Mormon acquaintance argued him with, on the subject of polygamy, having more than one wife. After a long and rather heated debate, the Mormon finally said, Can you find for me a single passage of scripture which forbids polygamy? Certainly, replied Twain, no man can serve two masters. Now, with this humorous sigh, you know, be faithful to your wife. Thank God you just have to love one. Sacrifice for one, and uh, dwell with them in joy, peace, and love. I don't get this man, and I think Montana who wants to have his marriage license for his two wives. By the way, he married two sisters. You know, because uh, the Supreme Court ruled that hey, same-sex marriage is. You know, uh, there are so many people who are just deceived and, and who are just after their own lust and, and even adultery. And as we think about Mr. Dugar and how sad this is. I thought he was trials over about his family affairs. Now it's opening up to Ash- Ashley Madison. I didn't even know that side until this man got uh, in trouble with it. And amazingly how, you know, uh, Christians are also uh, getting into terrible sins. And, and uh, I think about even the subway guy. And uh, how terrible this man is. And, uh, you know, as much as he was, you know, uh, uh, contributing to society about diet, uh, he was in, the, in his hotel room doing terrible things with underage girls. And he has his own children. He has his own wife. We live in a very terrible society. We're not far away from Rome, by the way. And uh, let's see what happens after 100 years if the Lord Terrors is coming for this country. I'm just simply saying as Christians, be faithful to your wife and dwell with them. Be faithful to them. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Okay. And be faithful to them after a decade, after two decades, and, and three decades. And, and, and be faithful to the wife of the youth that God has given you, and some marriages forget to rejoice, that's joy over again, rejoice with the wife of your youth, and remember you said, till death to us part, And, and Henry Ford was asked on his 50th wedding anniversary for his rule, for marital bliss and longevity, he replied, just the same as in the automobile business, stick to one model, stick to one model, and God has given you one model, What marriage has been proven? Don't think that it won't work. Dwell with them. As you dwell with them, dwell with them with knowledge. As we think about the scripture, i got to hurry. Number one, uh, in honor, giving honor to your wife, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Paul was taken. Uh, These are the five major needs of women. Number one, affection. Number two, conversation. Number three, honesty and openness. Number four, financial support. Number five, family commitment. I don't know about you. I believe these five, could be summarized in the biblical term of honor. Honor your wife by being affectionate. Honor your wife by having conversation. Honesty and openness, financial support, family commitment. Honor your wife with these. And these five things cry out honor. Do you honor your wife? And husband could also scream at their wives. And your children are wives. And uh, men I want to encourage you to honor your wife as a king will honor his queen. She's a queen of your home. And I'm not perfect at this either. I I have a simple nature like you do but I got to I got to do better. And 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 honor your wife. Number 2, heirs together. And as being an heirs together of the grace of life, one save always save. Amen. Also, once married, always married. And uh, now, enjoy both of them together, being saved and also being married. What a wonderful combination. You're both saved, born again Christian, heirs together of the grace of life. Then why are you so miserable, man? Why are you so miserable? Why are you so depressed all the time when you come back from work? Why are you so stressed and bitter? Why are you saying, leave me alone? Let me watch my TV, just leave me alone. Don't you know I have a very And, uh, you know, uh, why don't you talk to your wife? Why don't you honor your wife? Why don't you really dwell with them and live with them and love them? And realize that you're heirs together with them. Colossians 3.19, husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You might be thinking, I just don't understand my. By the way. big eyes with my slanted eyes but anyways I, I just can't do it but you know she just makes me feel guilty and, and when she has a very weak and quiet spirit you know, it convicts my heart and and i i remind myself that i need to honor her and love her as i should and 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 and, and, and men i encourage you to dwell with them and be heirs together and, and then sec, uh, secondly pray with them do you pray with your wife uh, that your prayers be not hindered, and wife as well. And no prayers can be hindered unless you first decide to pray. Husband, do you pray with your spouse? When was the last time you did? Not over a meal, not over food, but at a best side, before you go to bed, or maybe waking up early in the morning. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. defy ye not one another, except be consent for a time. They may give yourself fasting and prayer. You know, There's some situations in life where you need to fast and pray. And sometimes we don't do that as husband and wife. And by the way, why? Because the Bible says, "Come together again." That Satan tempts you not for your incontinency, and uh, you know the Bible is saying that hey, Satan's right around the corner. Sometimes you need to pray fast. You need to give yourself to the Lord. James four seven. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. You need prayer with your wife. Pray with them. Dwell with them. Lastly, instruction of grace. Verse 8, family, uh, finally, be ye all of one uh, mind, having compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Ruth Bell Graham once said, a good marriage is a union of two forgivers. You know, it's good to forgive each other. It's good to forgive your husband and your wife. No marriage can continue without grace and forgiveness. I know that last scripture is talking to all the people in church, but hey, let's kind of narrow it down this morning in in application to our marriage. Hey, be compassionate toward one another. Be pitiful. Be courteous. And give that to your spouse. Give that to your husband and to your wife. And by the way, don't demand that. You husband. God's love is an action it's not a way to receive something, no, it's acting to give, it's better to give than to what? receive and ladies, do the same thing, do the same thing, be courteous be pitiful, be compassionate and have grace in your life and don't hash out past things don't you remember what we did 10 years ago And don't you know you made this decision just about six months ago, same thing. And uh, just be more patient, be more loving, be more gracious. And, uh, uh, And make sure that you're abounding in grace in your marriage.